Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Asbury V Show. This is not Miles Baker. Mr. Baker is in uh, New York City today uh, training with uh, four or five-time world champion Vitor Ribeiro, but I am glad to have my special guest, Gary Craig. Mr. Craig is from Round Rock, Texas via Cambridge, England, and he has an awesome martial arts school there in Round Rock. So Mr. Craig is visiting me here for a couple days. He's actually getting ready to open his second location. So we've been doing some, I've been doing some coaching with him about uh, opening the second one and particularly our S1X model. How's everything in Texas? Everything in Texas is great. Um, Texas is a good place to open up a school. As you know, there's a lot of uh, martial arts schools, premier martial arts schools in Texas. A lot of, so. lot of martial arts schools in general, yeah. great martial arts in Texas, and we do have a lot of premier martial arts in Texas. Definitely, definitely. So, That's the place to do Yeah. It. So you excited about the, the new location? I am. I am. And uh, everything that comes with that, the intrepidation and the nervousness about it. But excited. I think it's time. So. It is time for you, I think, as well. And, you know, I tell, talking to the owners out there, the big shift is from school one to school two. That's yeah. the massive learning curve. That's where you find out if you have real systems or not. Once you successfully own two successful martial arts schools, three, four, five, and above is no big deal. But one to two, test the owner's professionalism, test his, his systems, test his focus, his motivation, his work ethic. Um, that's the real one. Yeah, I think you know? that's, a good, that's exactly well put. Definitely well put. Yeah, and you know, there's a comfort zone of why doesn't all martial arts school owners open up their second location? Because a lot of them are doing financially so well with one, it's like that comfort zone. It's like, why do I want to risk the lifestyle I have now for opening up a second one that may or may not do well? And that's a really good, tough decision. But it all comes down with with systems. And, you know, we're talking about you're getting ready to open up one of our S1X models. In our victory session today, the owner that uh, has an S1X, you're going to hear some crazy, crazy victories and numbers for that. Yeah. So, all right, Mr. Craig, since you're taking Mr. Baker's position today, let's go ahead and get started with our first question. All right. So, Sarah W. asks, we have graduation coming up, and recently I feel they've been a little boring. What are some ideas to make our graduations better? Okay. So, Graduations or belt test. You know, some school owners may not understand what I say when I say graduation. But for my clients, we do what's called a stripe test every month. And that's where we're evaluating the student's progress physically, mentally, on what we taught them the last four weeks. So we're on a three-month belt testing cycle. So at the end of every three months, there is a stripe test. And they go through three stripe tests. The last third month, which is the belt exam month or graduation month, they still do a third stripe test Wednesday, Thursday. And then on Friday or Saturday, they're going through a belt testing or a graduation or ceremony. So what I want first you to think about, if you feel like your belt testings or graduation is boring, is your graduation a test or is it a celebration? Because you've already tested them three times on the curriculum, especially that third month, that last strike test. That's the real test where you're evaluating the exact curriculum. The graduation, put it and think it more of a, your your child is in, your daughter's in dance 
and she's dancing and practicing. Then she has a recital ever so often to show off in front of mom and dad. Even adult programs, you know, you want to you want to make it a celebration. But I'm sure you're particularly talking about your children's program. Um, so first, think of it as a celebration. Think of it as a show, not a belt test, not an exam. That's very true. Right. Yeah. And then that allows you to get creative and be able to, you know, wow, there's so many things you can do cool uh, to spice up your graduation. One is the use of music, Definitely. you know. Mm-hmm. One is having your instructors demonstrate or your demo team demonstrating. You know, uh, another thing is the way you're structuring it. Don't do just their curriculum. Have each group that comes up, your five to sevens or your white, yellow, orange uh, beginner eight to twelves have each group come up and do something different and something exciting. It doesn't have to be the exact curriculum for that belt rank or that rotation, that phase rotation. Have them do one group's doing kickboxing or one section of your curriculum. Another group's doing a different section of your curriculum. Really highlight the students. I always, when I do graduations, I line up all four or five hundred kids that's on the classroom floor uh, or on the f- gymnasium floor. And I do what I call a warm-up. It's going to be a 10 to 15 minute where I've got all the kids on the floor. They're all moving in unison. They're all key eye in unison. And I'm going to mix up the review of their basic martial arts movement and skill with personal development questions or lesson questions or physical questions. So an example of that might be, you know, they're all lined up, feet together, set, sir, and I would go, all right, guys, there are four elements to power. Somebody name an element to power. You know, I'm mic'd up and I got assistant instructors or leaderships with microphones running around. All the kids have been trained to, whenever I ask a question, to raise their hand and go, bring it on, sir. So then the, somebody, I'll say, Sarah, and somebody runs over with a mic and Sarah will go, speed, sir. Speed is one of the quali- uh, 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 four qualities of power. Speed. Then I'll scream to everybody, what's, an L- what's a martial arts technique that represents speed? Tommy, and Tommy screams jab because he knows that a jab is a fast technique that represents speed. Fighting stance, ah, ready, let me see some nice crisp jabs, everyone, ready, one, two, three, and feet together, set. What's treating other people the way you want to be treated? Bring it on, sir. What is it, Cindy? uh, Respect, sir. Good job. How do you show your teachers at school or your parents respect? Ready, Billy, bring it on, sir, Billy. Um... Yeah, by saying yes, replying yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir, no, sir. Good job. And you just keep mixing up physical questions with personal development questions with their physical martial arts move and show the parents how it ties in. That's not done in regular class. Well, you teach that way in regular class, but the parents haven't seen it. And that's a 10-minute reminder and an opening of the show of the parents to remind why their kid why their kids are doing martial arts training. Right. It's it's the personal development that they're really paying for. It's the life lessons they're really paying for. I'm, I'm excited already now. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it's just taking one punch, you can go jab. Not exciting. But do what you just did exactly that way. It's way more. It blows it out of the water. And and even all of these mat chats, we like to have kids come up and do mat chats for the audience. Mm-hmm. Something simple. Um, there's the, I remember recently I, I was doing a graduation and I had a kid come up and tell the donkey story because we had been, we had been talking about, you know, perseverance and just not giving up when things get tough. And uh, there's this, we use a story called the donkey story. 
and uh, I had I knew the ch- children had heard it, and I did pre-pick a student that I knew sure. could speak well, because mm-hmm. you know you're designing a show. So I knew when blue purple green belts come up, I knew that that one little girl, and she already was prepared to teach the don- tell the donkey story. But I brought her up in front of all the parents, gave her a microphone, and she told the donkey story. So it was like it was just like something, you know, uh, 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 Alexa. I taught you guys a story, our instructors taught you guys a very important story about how you never give up when things get tough and that there's a fact that good things or bad things sometimes happen to good people. Can you share this story with all the parents? And then she told the donkey story. Powerful. I like that. And I just wrote that down. I'm doing that next graduation. Absolutely. Powerful. Yeah, yeah. You know, having the kids come up and certain kids break boards like it's impromptu. You don't have time for 300 kids or 400 kids to break boards, all of them, but just impromptu as you're going through a group of students, maybe you reviewed a certain kick and you grab a kid and come up and have him break a board. That's just fun excitement, making it part of the part of the show. Yeah, you know, keeps them guessing and it's, yeah, totally entertaining. You know, having a, having a table, uh, a guest table up at the front of the you know, in the gymnasium, either underneath the basketball court or, or goal or somewhere where all the audience can see these guest people. And the beginning of it, you introduce your guest, your special guest. You could have some, you always want to have a couple special guest moms or dads just because they're good people. But how about having somebody from one of your local news stations, either the the weather girl, the the one of the anchors, having them as a guest there. Man, they do that kind of stuff all the time for promotions for their TV station, and the audience would love it. What about having a guest principal? Every graduation, you have a different principal from a different elementary school there, and they're your special guest. What about having the police chief or the fire chief or just a fireman at one of the local the local uh, 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 fire departments and introducing him. Talk about getting word of mouth around your town. If you just that alone, it makes for a, an exciting graduation. They appreciate it, these guests, and it it makes your school look like you're the place to be. What about if you have a university in town having the coach or a, you know University of Tennessee? You got the the coach there, which um, our football coach, uh, which I'm not a big UT football fan. Kentucky Wildcat basketball fan, of course, but what's Butch Jones just got fired, so we wouldn't want to have him at our oh, our, yeah, our December yeah. one. <laughs> but we might have the next guy that's people love before he starts losing, right? Um, you know, so many different things you can do at the graduation, and another key thing too is keep it short and sweet. You should be able to test three, four hundred students and or, or put them through this show and award all the belts. Uh, in hour, hour and 15 minutes. Don't let this thing drag on for two, three hours. Right. And that is why you watch the Barry V show. That's, That's a brilliant. lot of That was why I'm writing that down. Keep That's going, awesome. keep going. He's on a roll. <laughs> That's awesome. These are just random ideas, That's you know. Right. We, really it, for our clients, we have a whole module that's about graduation yeah. with videos and stuff like that for them to use. All right. That was awesome. Next question. All right. Alan S. He asked, should my studio set up as a sole proprietorship or a corporation? And if a corporation... What type of corporation? Good question. I get this randomly, and and it, I think this time of year, when everybody's getting ready to start into a, a new year in January, we get people thinking about this a lot. Uh, you absolutely 110% should be incorporated, not a sole proprietorship. You want a nice, strong veil of protection between your company and your personal assets. So that reason alone, you want to be incorporated. Once you incorporate, it's very important that you get with your attorney 
and you discuss, the person that set up your corporation, you discuss how to treat that corporation and how to protect that corporate veil. Uh, an ex simple example is if you have a business card and you put personal expenses on the business card and run it through the company, if something bad happened that you got sued, a good attorney is going to ask for your financial records and they're going to look to see if you've been charging personal expenses on your company's account that breaks the corporate veil and puts a loophole to now somebody isn't just suing you for money from your corporation. They're actually getting into your personal assets, which you do not want to happen. So that should be a reason enough for you to understand. By the way, another thing, if you own multiple locations, I believe now that someone may believe this different or think of this different, but I think every location should be separately incorporated because if something happens, you don't want all your locations to be affected. You just want one location to be affected and and your personal assets not affected. So there's another reason why to incorporate each business separately. Now, which type of corporation, an LLC, a C Corp, an S Corp or whatever, uh, I'm not a tax attorney and I'm not a, an accountant. Most of the time you pick what type of corporation you want set up for, do you have a partner or are you by yourself in the corporation? You own it solely. Um, and how you want to pay yourself and how you want to handle paying taxes. Because really the difference is in those things of what type of corporation. So how many employees you have, what kind of retirement you want. Do you want to offer retirement also for your employees? That's in what type of corporation you are. So you need to see you need to see a tax attorney or you, an accountant yeah. about that. And you, you should shop around for them as well because there are different ones that will give you different opinions. Yeah. Uh, and I did that recently. I changed to an escort recently. And I, I was kicking myself. I should have done that years ago. But then my other accountants never told me that I should have done that. So you need to shop around. Right. And you know some accountants will tell you to talk to a tax attorney. And some accountants are very good and they kind of already know the rules and yeah. how it works. And maybe that's... That's not necessary. But I mean, I would make sure you get an, a, an, a, a tax attorney or an attorney to set up your corporation anyway. So that would be the person to start off asking what type of corporation do you think? You know, now he may refer you to an accountant, but or he'll find the answer for you. Okay. All right. So I guess it's victory time. It is victory time. Victory! All right. Today's victory is Josh Smith. Josh Smith is a school owner and a client of ours in Paducah, Kentucky. Not the biggest city in the world. Doesn't sound good. No, uh, but he's doing absolutely amazing. He's been with us for, I think he's been open for three years, maybe. He's been with us a, right at a year and a half. Since he's been mentoring, he's doubled his gross revenue, and he's averaging over $30,000 a month. He's running our S1X model, and get this, his expenses are less than 10000 a month. That dude is doing a net profit of 20 grand in a small town of Paducah, Kentucky with about 150 students or so is totally killing it, totally killing it. And uh, I remember when he first uh, first came on board, I was explaining to him like, you know, revenue, uh, accounts receivable versus in-house cash. And I told him, I'm like, a real nice place to be is that's kind of 50-50. If you're bringing in $15,000 in billing, 
you you could bring in $15,000 in in-house cash. And he, he thought I was crazy, but that's exactly where he's at right now. He's around that 15,000 or so dollar uh, accounts receivables every month and, and averaging 15, $16,000 in uh, cash coming in, in the form of down payments and paid in full memberships on new memberships and upgrade memberships. And he's killing it. Absolutely killing it. And I'm so excited for him and his wife uh, and their family. So congratulations, Josh Smith. You got, got a great future and great things happening for you and uh, to come. He's a good guy. Good guy. Good guy. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Let me do this. The shameless plug of the show. Shameless plug of the show is simply BarryVanover.com. Do you have a question you want me to answer on here? Simply go to BarryVanover.com and there's a button up at the top where you can ask a question. If you want to watch past shows, it's on that website. If you want to see blogs and articles I've written or my any videos of my uh, success sessions or my mind bites or any of that is all on BarryVanover.com. Also, if you're interested in any of our products or any of our consulting programs like our Business Maximizer or like my mentoring coaching program, Leader's Edge, you can see the details all on that website, barryvanover.com. All right, next question, Mr. Chris. So Mike T asks, and this is a good one for, I think we've all experienced this. He says, I have a parent that will not stop talking negative about our school in, in front of other parents when she's here. I'm thinking of canceling her child's membership. What do you suggest? Wow, that's a tough one. That is a tough question. And uh, honestly, I'm just going to, I could go on and on about this, but I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet. You know, the problem with this situation is, has the mother been, and I don't know, so he's not giving me enough information. Has the mother been set down, this mother that's disgruntled and is saying things in front of the other parents, has she been set down and showed some attention uh, cared enough about to find out is her and her family having a positive experience here. If they're not, why? Um, now, if that conversation has happened and you've tried to reach out to her and you, you you tell her, you know, I've heard people say that you've made some comments that are leading me to believe that maybe you and your family aren't happy here. I just want to sit down and spend some time with you to see what can I do to make your experience better. Yeah. Uh, that should happen no matter what. Simple. No matter if this lady is the biggest, uh, grumpiest lady in the world or she's just really unhappy about something and she's venting when she's there. Um, so you got to sit down and have that conversation. Now, if you have had that conversation a couple times and you've tried to reach out to her, well, now you gotta, now you got to go back and think about the girl that's the, the, or the student, the boy. You know, how much do they love your school and the benefits that they're getting? And it's not their fault. I know it's a bad situation. So the next level conversation then to me would be, listen, you know, I've I've tried to reach out with you a couple times because it seems you're not happy, but I've tried to reach out and, and we haven't resolved this. I do know your your child is doing great here and they seem to love it. But I really want to to do whatever I can to make you guys happy here at the school within my power because I care about your child and their progress. Hopefully you see the benefits of your child training here. But if something doesn't change in this relationship, you know, I'm going to have to consider canceling your membership. And that's really not fair to Tommy, right? That might just wake the parent up enough to go, wow, you know, my kid loves it here. I don't want the membership to be canceled, so I'm going to straighten up a little bit. But if she doesn't do that, then at that point, if it's becoming, you've reached out, you've tried to do whatever, 
then at that point, it might be time to let that family go uh, because one bad apple can spoil a bunch of parents and you just want, don't want that situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. So somebody decided to walk right across their show, make a bunch of noise with the door. For what reason? There's not anybody even standing out there. Yeah. It's the mailman. Let the mailman just do his own thing, bro. God, see what we deal with here? I, can't, I don't even have a professional set for the show. I'm stuck in my office. People walking by all the time. It's called editing. That's I, the great thing. Uh, editing. He won't edit that. He's, <laughs> he won't edit it probably. All right. Anyway, next question. All right. Next question. Karen P. asks, what are some adult marketing ideas for the new year? Why does British people sound so smart, man? Why is that? It's Two things that aggravate me is why everybody loves a British accent. <laughs> why? I don't know why either. That's a good question. And two, why do you sound so much smarter than us? And three, why do so many actors in Hollywood that you think are American actors are really British actors? Good question. That drives me nuts yeah. too. Do we not have any good actors that are Americans? You're running out. It's just the theme for the last decade. It's been the theme. See, the British guys have been the bad guys, right? A lot of for a times. while they were like the in the, yeah they're bad uh, guys all, all of them time. yeah so, yeah that's true Mel Gibson movies were right. bad guys all the time. but yeah but you're still no you still don't use your accent when you're a hero in a movie you're American yeah yeah you know? but then you know you got what was it House um, he had American Eagles accent great yeah the guy off right. uh, Walking Dead he's got one two or three uh, Charlie sure. what's Charlie Hoonan and uh, from uh, uh, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. He's British, yeah. and he was a L.A. biker. Yeah. Right now, this show's getting out of hand. People are like, go on. They're skimming through it, like fast-forwarding to get to the next question. The, so, yeah. All right. Is this our last question? No, we've got one oh, more. Oh, okay. So, yeah, the question was, Karen P. asked, what are some adult marketing ideas for the new year? Good timing. Karen's thinking ahead. I like it. I like it. You know, when I think of marketing, whether I'm marketing for kids or adults, I'm asking the question is, where is the market I'm looking at, looking for? How do I reach them? Where are they at? How do I reach them? And what's the message that's going to connect with them? So I may be trying to grow my three and four-year-old program, right? But if I'm using a lot of ads on Facebook of eight to 12-year-olds, moms and dads might think that we three and four-year-olds too young. But if I run an ad on Facebook specifically for three and four-year-olds with three and four-year-old images targeted to moms that probably don't work, or it doesn't matter if they work or not, right? But, but the moms that have kids three and four, now I'm going to reach that market and I got to change and do certain things, right? Uh, same thing. Where are they? You know, how do I reach them? What message am I giving them? Adults is no different. So running adult-specific ads on your social media, having going to adult-specific landing pages on your website, sending out and putting them the leads in an adult-specific email funnel, you know, all for adults, then that's digital marketing, right? But what about all the other marketing? We really don't do adult birthday parties, right? But we can do adult self-defense workshops, and, you know, invite people to come in for mass intros. If you teach Krav Maga, we can do Krav Maga introductory uh, courses or Krav Maga 101. Um, also, spending some time with your promotional booths where adults hang out to target adults. Making sure if you're targeting adults, you have adult literature at your promotional booth, not just all the kid literature. Um, and where do adults spend all their days? They spend their days working. 
So going, doing the, the, the uh, uh, B2C business to companies, business to corporations, going to these large companies with lots of employees, talking to their human resource people and eat, offering to have a special rate for any of their employees, right? That's the message. We have a special for you guys, just for your company. And how can we disseminate that? Well, HR people, would you send, I've got an email that I can give you with some artwork that you can blast an email with this special New Year's discount for any employees of of uh, IBM or you know Walmart or Kimberly Clark or any large company, right? Or we could come and at the break room and set up a promotional booth for a few days and meet people and hand stuff out. We can do a special workshop, business, a special seminar for all your adults. Oh, a self-defense workshop, and we can even do something for all the kids that of the of the adults that go there. So just going, that's the fastest, simplest way to talk to one person, HR guy, to reach a large number of people. Anytime you can have one conversation that could lead to reaching hundreds of people, that's the smart way to go. Yeah. And that's simple and what you need to do. Same thing, we talk about targeting restaurants sometimes. You know, because there's so many people work at a restaurant and I need, I can go in and have one conversation with the manager and reach hundreds of employees at that restaurant. Same concept, you know, a special corporate discount for their company. That's a time, time sensitive offer. So they react quick um, and getting blasted emails or doing event set up or going to their, their business and setting up a promotional booth to meet people. That's how I would target growing my adults in a fast way is between that combination of specific ads, specific digital marketing, and specific guerrilla marketing. And HR people are always looking for something different for their employees. So, yeah. yeah, they, they want to bring excitement. Yeah. You know, how exciting is this company if we never offer any team building things, any discounts? They want exciting stuff. And guys... Some I think some school owners are been in the martial arts industry so long, done the same thing over and over. They kind of remove themselves from the general public's perception of martial arts. Martial arts has never been more exciting, more uh, uh, well known, uh, with a with a better reputation. The UFC has legitimized martial arts, and it's made us one of the top sports. And and self defense is popular, and you know character development for kids. All of that is so important nowadays, more than ever. And some of our owners probably missing out on the boat uh, because they feel you know they've been operating with fifty students, and they feel that's all they can get. Yeah. You know, but they if they break out of that comfort zone, they could be doing way better. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Uh, all right, that brings us to the last question. Um, another good one. Uh, Nick Z asks, I have a 12-year-old student that has been going through uh, Black Belt Boot Camp, and my staff and I are thinking we should fail her. How is the best way to handle it? Wow. I hate that. I hate that question. Uh, you know, my, my problem with this whole concept is the first thing I would want to ask this owner is, have you ever failed this child before? I mean, if this child, this 12-year-old, is not ready for his black belt after three or four years of training with you, and you have never gone to the parent, you've never failed the child, you've never gone to the parent at all to talk about their progress, then what justification do you have of failing them? Listen, now that I have a son and a daughter, I totally get this, right? This whole parent-child you're, you love that kid, those kids more than anything, and you'll protect them with every fiber of your being. If my son had trained with you for three or four years 
and you've never came to us, you would have to even come to us several times and talk about that child's performance. If you've never said anything to us, you let us go through Black Belt Boot Camp, and then you fail my kid, I'm going to throw a fit. Because is it my child's fault or my fault if you haven't given us feedback or failed him before, but yet on his black belt test, you're going to fail him there at the very end? Man, that's that's just not cool, right? I would be upset. Now, if you had come to me several times over three years, and I knew my child had a practice problem, an attendance problem, an issue, that's different. But just to surprise them by failing them, that's your instructor's fault yeah. by not having them ready and not noticing this all the time. Yeah, and guys, you shouldn't have put that child in boot camp to begin with. Those of you who don't know what boot camp is, for a lot of us, we put the students through a 12-week intensive course before their black belt test to get them ready and to build this awesome experience. It also preframes this curriculum that's in first to second degree to try to renew them and get them on higher level of training so, boot, plus we make some money. Boot camp's a great income generator. But during that boot camp, you should never have put that child in the boot camp to begin with if you didn't think they had great potential to pass. That was your first mistake. Because the day the day you took the money for boot camp and you put them in there, you told the parents that they're going to get their black belt and they're going through this process, right? Mm-hmm. So, my advice is never put them in the boot camp. If you think they have problems... Right, you should have noticed that in all these stripe tests these kids have been doing all these years. Don't set them up for failure at the very, very end because just as big as we say, getting my black belt was one of the highlights of my life. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And we tell people, I tell parents, your child getting their black belt, they will never forget it. It will be a defining moment in their life. Yeah. As far as something they've achieved, they'll never forget it. They'll gain confidence from getting that black belt for the rest of their life. They'll always have something special. No matter how bad their day gets, whether they're in college or whether they're in a relationship, they'll always remember and think back of, I'm a black belt. I can handle this, right? But the reverse is going to happen. You fail a kid on their black belt test, it could scar them for life. It could have such a negative effect on this kid and family. And again, it's probably not even their fault. It's your instructor's fault for letting this happen. That's my opinion. I'm not saying, guys, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you pass every student. Nobody said that. I said you fail them or correct them on the journey to black belt, not on the black belt test itself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. So, Mr. Craig, give give. I like to ask owners the following things real quick. Um, what are your top three marketing uh Top Actions. Three. Um, top three booths. Um, promotional booths? Yeah, promotional booths, uh, school talks, um, Facebook, social media. Okay. Um, they're the top And three. you do great at school talks. You have a... You do pretty good. Yeah, yeah. you do okay. You have, you have good access, good relationship with the local schools. And yeah. so I know I know that's big for you. Okay, great. Because you know what? Every time we ask owners, we get different questions. Different different marketing actions. So it's always good because they want to know what's making yeah. what's making you successful. Uh, what is one of the biggest challenges? You know, we all have challenges. Mm-hmm, definitely. You know, whether you have 12 schools or one school, small school or big school, we all have challenges. What's one of the challenges you feel like you face right now? Um, staff is always, is always the top one um, because I think a lot of people think that um, being a martial arts teacher, you know, they see the glamorous side of it. 
but they don't realise as well. It's, it's, it's work, it is work, and it is cool, it's a cool job, if you perceive it as a job, but um, staff, staff is the tough one. I think they just want to walk in, be a superstar, and then go home. So I would say staffing is always a is always a tough one. But um, when you get the right person, they're good to they're good to go. So you just have to get them through that. You know, I think for staff, you you have to do a couple things. You have to pay them what they're worth, right? So you you are here, and you've been. Let's see, we met in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did some business there. We drove to Knoxville. You've been here for a couple of days, and your staff is running your school. Correct. How valuable is a person that can run your business and you not even be there? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> you have to pay them what they're worth, their, your staff. You have to appreciate them, treat them well, and you need to project a big picture. Because if you don't project a career... If you don't show them where they're going in the future, they're either going to quit and do something else when they get bored of this job, or they're going to go off and try to do their own thing, mm-hmm. right? Because that's yeah. they don't have a choice because you haven't shown them a clear path to mm-hmm. make this a career, Yeah, right? I'd agree with that. So, yeah. And then the last question is, what's the best piece of advice you could give for school owners? Best piece of advice. I think the best piece of advice is to actually, especially with the premier brand, is to follow everything exactly as gain momentum. I think that's crucial as well. Gain momentum. If you haven't, if you've got limited success, and the reason you are thinking about possibly branching out, becoming premier brand, for example, premier brand is to um, follow the systems exactly as yeah. gain momentum and don't take your foot off the pedal. Right. I think that's crucial. Not to now, we have thousands of school owners now watch this, mm. right? So overwhelmingly majority are not premier martial arts. So what you're just saying for any martial arts school, it's operate with clear, defined, proven yes, systems. definitely. Right? You because you're not going to be able to train a staff member mm-hmm. to give you time off or to run it while you enjoy life. Mm-hmm. You're not going to open up multiple, your second location without clear systems. We already discussed this. So yes. you, it limits your growth. Mm-hmm. Every time you lose a staff member, it's massive, difficult retraining if you yeah. don't have systems. Mm-hmm. And your school's personality-driven. So a personality-driven school can be, if, if you're leaving it up to your instructor and he's the guy and he's the personality, he's the one these people are following. Yeah. You know, sure. you want you want systems in place. Systems but. categorically make a difference for sure. Well, and even simple financial systems. We're talking Josh Smith today, and how he doubled his gross revenue with nothing but systems. Yeah. Different way of doing things, systemized, doubling his gross revenue, bringing home more money than guys that have schools. I mean, you're talking a twenty grand net, right? So bringing home more money than guys that have four or five hundred students in big cities and big markets. Mm-hmm. You know, that's huge. That's huge. All right, man. Very cool. Very good to have you here. Appreciate it. All right, all right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time on the Ask Barry V Show.